Hi, Tane. How are you? I am doing well. I was excited because summer's allegedly around the corner, but it's still <laughs> cold. Like, I literally just wore a sweater dress because it's still cold. Yeah. This is the same here, like in Dallas. It's, I feel like it's the coldest spring I've felt since I moved here, for sure. And we'll get, like, random hot days, but they seem to be fewer <laughs> than yeah. the quote-unquote cold days. It's very weird. I can't lie. Yeah. I'm a woman. But other than that, <laughs> all good, all great. We are officially halfway. Again, here I go with wondering how many episodes. It's eight, right? I think so. You know what? I find it very tricky. So I know guys we've been calling it like 6B, but obviously when we upload the podcast, that option is not possible. So it's just been like episode 14 or 15. So I'm just like, you know what? Whatever episode comes is what you get. I don't know what number. Yeah. <laughs> to refer it, how far we're in. Just it is what it is. But I do think, yeah, I think we're halfway through the second half. So this is I the think. fourth episode of the second half. But I think the yes. show itself was doing like, 18 or something i don't know i don't yeah. know how they did it but we're almost there we're almost yes, there we are just in time for my favorite show in the world you know oh yeah it's we got a premiere day. date <laughs> yeah this is, is it june 22nd oh i just I went know there's a two in the name that is i was about to say june 2nd and i'm like no that can't be right so 22nd probably is right well yeah. enough time Yes, we do. And hopefully, yeah, we'll be caught, we'll be finished by the time that comes up. <laughs> yes, because, yeah, yeah, can't wait. So, yeah, so this episode, like we said, I guess is season 6B, episode 4, whatever you're choosing to call it. Mm-hmm. And it's called Out of the Frying Pan. I'm going to come back to the title because I was trying to um, put together, like, the relevance. And I was like, I might just being dumb. But I didn't really see it. Did you? So I skipped. I usually write down the name of the ep- the title of the episode. And then halfway through, I realized that I missed it. I think I did skip intro and completely uh-huh. missed it. So I had nothing to obsess over as I watched the episode. So, But not, this is the first time I'm hearing that it's out of the frying pan. Yeah. And I cannot think of what it is. Maybe as we go through the episode, it'll come to it. But You're I... Com- because yeah. out of the frying pan into the fire. I don't. Thank you. Fire, so thank you. That's the what only frying pan was like a weapon. Yes, that's the only thing. I thought, and he had to Alexander to make risotto in her frying pan instead of whatever fancy risotto dish she usually makes it in. But <laughs> you know what I mean. I was laughing because I'm like, every time I've made risotto, it's been like in a small pan. <laughs> Never made risotto, and I don't like it. Oh really? I love risotto. Love it. Love it. Love it. I should probably give it another chance, but am I mistaken? It has milk in it? Um, yeah, like, well, if you get, like, good risotto rice, you don't necessarily have to add any cream or milk. Like, true risotto doesn't have that in it. Because the rice itself, if you cook it properly with the stock, it makes it creamy, you know? Like a real Italian. Sorry, I need to stop. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Therein lies the problem. I don't like like creamy like milk. T- I don't I don't like the yeah. taste of that. But I, I also feel like I probably need to try like a proper something. A risotto everyone says is so good. Yeah. And then try that and see if I can officially say for real for real that I don't like. Risotto. See, I love this. You're an adult because 
I get people being picky with their food, but I really hate it when people just declare they hate something and have either like tried it once in a very obscure place. I'm just like, what are you talking about? And that's like my friend, I'm going to mention him by name, Krumner, who told me he hated Chick-fil-A the first time <gasps> he tried it. I'm like, what did you have? And he's like, he got a wrap. I'm like, why would you get a wrap? Why would you get Chick-fil-A? a wrap? Come on. And then start all of Chick-fil-A on a wrap. Like, please be serious. <laughs> Come on, you gotta yeah. do the spicy deluxe. Gotta <laughs> Thank get you. Sandwich. Get what they're Nuggets. known for, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, please be serious. But yeah, sorry, guys, this has nothing to do with sex in the city. So, again, <laughs> like it's called Out of the Frying Pan. And a brief recap for those of you who didn't get to watch the show Carrie and Alexander have their first fight. Miranda and Steve contemplate a big move. Samantha starts to lose her hair and Charlotte gets a new addition to the family. So what did you think of the episode? I liked it. I liked it, liked it. And this was the episode where I said I couldn't wait for something that happened between Alexander and Carrie, and I can't wait for us to talk about it. So (laughs) I liked the episode. It was good. I have no idea how you're going to feel about this, so I'm also looking forward to watching it. I loved the episode, but I also hated it with a passion because both Tane and I, we hate rodents. I can't do rodents. So I had to physically turn my head away in two scenes. I just couldn't watch it. Like, I wanted to throw up. So, hey, if there's something that happened on the screen, all I, I went by my hearing. So it is what it is. I can't do mice. I'm so sorry. Oh, I was cringy. Oh, it was, oh, it was nasty. Nasty. But anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> so... The episode begins with Carrie and Alexander, sorry. They go on a series of fun, exotic dates, like, around the world, as in different restaurants, until um, they go on a date to Carrie's house. He's never been to her place, apparently. Sorry. How much do we hate that outfit? Oh, God. Okay, I wasn't going to bring it up, because I did it. I thought, eh, typical Carrie outfit, until it panned down to the shoes. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? White booties? With like a long, what is it? A ball ruffled two skirt. Yeah, I don't. It was so bad. It was like someone just threw things without looking, and I was like, make it work. Her outfits have definitely been more miss than hit this half of the season. Yeah, I think the only one I've loved is that pink Oscar de la Renta dress he got her. Mm. But sorry, I had more thoughts like when they were in the steps. Like at some point, I think she said fully vaccinated, and I'm like, oh wow, that means <laughs> something so different now. But I also it brought to mind also that it does it reminds us that Carrie does this a lot. The men in her life don't spend time in her house. She She's always me. spending time at their place, not hers. I mean, I think we find out why now, but yeah. Yes, yes. She's literally just like me only in that aspect hopefully but yeah so anyway talking about risotto he cooks her risotto um with fancy wine and she's duly impressed and then he wants to finish off dinner with an espresso because guys if you don't know he's like a true european they keep having to bang it over your head but he's disgusted when carrie says she doesn't have a machine in my head, I'm like, why would you assume like this American New Yorker would have an espresso machine? Especially at that time. I feel like a lot of people have espresso machines now, but yeah. it wasn't that common then, in my opinion. Could be wrong. 
No, I agree with you. I think like not having the espresso machine is one thing, but I think he was trying to find the pans and I don't know what all the other things that he was asking for. And yeah. I was like, this is what we get on Carrie for. Like Carrie is truly a child. Yep. Again, if she was in her 20s, that's the whole thing. You are 38. Yes, yes. That's when, it, like, it's just none of it is cute to me anymore. So anyway, speaking of mice, a fucking mouse runs across her counter as they put their dishes away. And Alexander immediately goes into action, grabs the frying pan and smacks it dead. Like, literally just kills it immediately while Carrie is screaming. She is shocked and says maybe it was just passing through. But he says she's in denial because where there's one, there's always more. This show is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought it was so embarrassing. I I don't know how embarrassed she was, but I would be so embarrassed if the guy I was seeing came to my place. But like, well, it feels like it's the first time. It is the first time. And there was a mouse. I would be so embarrassed. Like, not already said it. We don't do rodents. We don't do that in this household and our household. It's trash. But yeah. my thing was, how did the hell? How the hell did he catch that mouse? You know, they're so quick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just he went just into ca- action so quickly. Oh, and it wasn't on the ground. It was on the counter. Oh, yes. God. Like I'd move out. I'm sorry. It's a mouse's apartment now. Him and Aiden can live in there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question for you: Would you rather? <laughs> Have a mouse run across the counter in front of your date or a roach? Oh, a roach. <laughs> a roach. Hands down. I'm not scared of I'm not scared of bugs. Me too. I'm not scared stuff. of roaches. I'm talking about so, embarrassment. No, yeah. I'd rather a roach. And then the roaches, I don't even know what causes roaches. I just thought they're like darkness. But mouse is because and the thing with mice is like like he's not wrong. If there's one, there's an infestation. And if they're that tiny, you just got born. Mm-mm. Yeah. I oh. just feel like roaches have more of a connotation of uncleanliness and Dirt, mice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's yeah. the only thing. But yeah, please neither. But yeah, I would also take a roach over a mouse because that's their business. I'll take a roach. Yes. <laughs> I can sleep at night. A mouse I cannot. Yes. Even talking about it is making me feel sick. I'm sorry guys. Let's move on. So <laughs> the women are keeping Samantha company while she has chemo. They all have like a popsicle party to help prevent mouth sores. And she tells them how excited she is to wear a hot dress at Smith's movie premiere. His movie with um, Gus Van Sant is finally coming out. And she's going to kick cancer's ass. So we see Carrie and Alexander go shopping for an espresso machine. And she's waxing lyrical about Samantha's chemo lounge and says it almost feels like a vacation. And she says Samantha doesn't even look sick. And Alexander says, well, she is sick. And then he matter-of-factly says he had a friend who had breast cancer. She died. Carrie looks very shocked at this. <laughs> so I was trying not to get annoyed. Like, I know we're going to get into it more. Yeah. But it was kind of annoying me, like, how flippant Carrie was doing. And I'm not saying everyone, everyone has to act like doom and gloom because sometimes people don't want that. But you're talking about her getting chemo. Like, oh, we could be on Palm Beach. Like, you know. So like, what are you talking about, bro? Anyway, how did you feel about it? This is, again, not to be a broken record, but this is what the rewatch has made me realize about Carrie. Carrie is childlike. She yes. has romanticized chemo. Romanticized chemo. <laughs> it's like a vacation. It didn't feel like that. It didn't whatever. Have you ever thought maybe your friend is putting a brave face for you? Like, what? 
it's still cancer. What are you Thank talking you. about? There's so many things. I'm like, if she was more of an emotionally intelligent friend, there's so many clues that Samantha is not as flippant about all of this as she's saying to be. Even how she reacted to that doctor last time of him telling her, and then she's like, she's getting when he suggested chemo in the first place, she's like, well, she's getting another opinion. Like she's struggling, but she's just yeah. putting a Samantha face on it. But Carrie's not intelligent enough to pick that up. Like, yeah. And I guess she's closest to Carrie, so the other two, um, I guess, don't even factor. But yeah. It was still nice of all of them to show up for her kid. It was. I love that scene. It was really cute until Carrie pissed me off immediately after. But yeah. As a sidebar, I know all the friends were there. Um, I said something not long ago. Like everyone talks about how Disney jacked up like romantic expectations and relationships and things. I really do think that there's not enough being talked about about how TV shows and movies romanticize how friendships should be. Because I get it that they're all showing up. Um, for her chemo treatment but in reality how many friends like you know on tv shows people just drop everything drop off a hat i'm here with a bottle of wine and stuff i was not gonna make you miss your big day i hopped on a plane and got the last one or whatever and i'm like you have all these expectations and i'm like we need to talk more about the expectations that they've done for friendships also because i don't know how you find time in your day at work to all there money's time. never an object all of that and okay i know sorry guys we will get back to regular sex in the city but i think it's a really good point and i feel like a lot of people absorb those expectations yeah so when reality doesn't live up to it they think they have bad friends and i'm speaking yeah. just i remember there's this other podcast i listened to and like they do like um reader dilemma dilemmas sorry and at least like two or three times people have written in and be like I don't have a group of friends that, like, we can hang out with and take Instagram pictures together and go on holiday together. I'm like, I do think, like, TV and social media have made people think that's how friendship should look on the surface. You never get the down and dirty parts of friendship. People just want to look cute, you know, mm-hmm. with their glasses in the air or, or us having brunch every day. Like, that is a nice part of friendship, but that isn't what true friendship is, is it? Yeah. So, Yeah. I think that's a really good point. So, um, Charlotte gets a call that her latest round of IVF has failed. And Harry tries to be supportive, but Charlotte is only focused on the next round. And she doesn't want to talk about it and decides to go for a run to clear her head. I love doctors uh these are the ones that make the calls. (laughs) Never in my life, never has a doctor called. It's always the nurse. You know, she, I will say she thanks him for calling on a weekend, which I thought was like a nice touch. So maybe just giving them the benefit of the doubt, but we know it's not real life, that maybe she has like more of a close relationship with him. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. So Miranda and Steve are fed up with being cramped in Miranda's apartment with a cat, a dog and a baby in her very small apartment. Steve convinces her to take a look at a house in Brooklyn. She's disgusted, but she eventually agrees very reluctantly, despite being a Manhattanite through and through. We then see Carrie um, have an espresso with Alexander, and of course she hates it. <sighs> okay, sorry. As an aside, do you think it's believable that this is the first time Carrie's tried espresso? Yes. Really? 
I just feel like there's a lot of things Carrie hasn't done. Like she poses as a exposed enlightened person, but she's just I don't know. Which is again, she needs to when she sits on the couch with her therapist, this is why she dates these men. Yeah, yeah. It's true. She she don't she is stuck in her ways, you're right about that. So anyway, so she clearly doesn't like it, but he's like, Yeah, keep drinking it. <laughs> She, she's like she's gonna need a little milk in hers, and he refuses and says milk will ruin it. Also, I really people like Alexander like get on my nerves. I can't lie. When they're like, you have to have it this way, otherwise you're not having it at all. Like she don't like it, fam. Let her put milk and sugar in it and make it a macchiato. Like come on. <sighs> so, Carrie acts like an adult for once. I know we just dissed her, but I'm going to give her props for this one thing. And actually initiates a conversation about what's bothering her. And she confronts him about his lack of sensitivity when she was talking about Samantha's cancer. Um, She says she's sorry about his friend, but her friend is going to be fine. He responds, and my friend died. And Carrie responds that not everyone dies. He says, well, they're lucky, and she has to be realistic and acknowledge the possibility of death. Carrie, like, completely rejects this notion and increasingly gets agitated when he keeps mentioning his friend who died. And she says, please don't talk about her friend who died. And he's, sorry, not her friend. Please don't talk about your friend who died. And he says her name was Sophie. She storms out while he says she's acting like a child, and she's like, well, you're acting like an asshole. What did you think of this scene? I have thoughts, but yeah. <laughs> I think that she's acting like a child. Yes. That's really much the only thing that is on there. I don't think they're both completely wrong, uh-huh. but I think that one of them is more rooted in reality than the other. Yeah. And they're both defense mechanism based on the lens of their life experiences. Yeah, perfectly put. Because obviously, is I feel like it's always my instinct to be annoyed with Carrie. So I was like, no, don't do that. Actually, listen, I could see why she was annoyed because his delivery is very blunt. And I was just kind of like, hmm, okay. Maybe someone doesn't want to hear about the possibility of a friend dying while she's trying to be like positive about it. But what pissed me off was that she wouldn't let him talk. Yes. Or like finish his sentences. Yes. And it just reminded me of when he first called, do you remember, to ask her how, out on a date? Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't let him even finish his sentence before hanging up on him. And I think the whole Alexander storyline, I know he's like a foreign man, he's Russian. But this, sometimes it comes across to me as a little bit, xenophobic is a strong word. But it's almost like she's slow talking him. What people do when they hear somebody with an accent that isn't American, they just assume, well, you must not understand what I'm saying. So I'm just going to repeat it, but slower or repeat it in like an approximation of your accent. And I felt like the argument had a little bit of that in it. Like he was, he was clearly, he had, my thing is, he's telling you about his friend who died. Why did he have to tell you what her name was? Why wouldn't you go, oh, I'm really sorry, tell me about it, or something like that? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yes, he was blunt, but I didn't think he was trying to be purposely like hurtful. Like, yeah. we, are, we all know the stereotypes of Eastern Europeans, that like they're, like, quote-unquote, colder, or, like, but they're more fiery about certain things, but they're more blunt and straight to the point than Americans. 
and I felt like that kind of to me just it just seemed like cultural differences but I didn't think he was trying to be deliberately hurtful he clearly has something to say but she's not letting him say it yep I agree I just think like the only thing I will fault him for is timing Yes. You yes. really just have to say she died at that time. Yes. And later time you bring it, like, they tell you about something, it's not what you want to hear, like, right at that moment. So, but, but again, that- let me defend him a little bit in that. That's also part of the differences of being a native speaker and someone who's learned the language, right? Yeah. We're all really well versed in euphemism. He passed away. He died. They mean the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. That's it's true. just delivery is different, right? And yeah. it's these things I remember even like learning French or Spanish or whatever, when once they feel like you finally got a hold of the actual language and they're trying to make you sound more like a native, they'll like give you a little bit of those idioms that make you sound a bit more like a native speaker. And to me, I'm like, he's not a native speaker. So yeah. he probably doesn't have an arsenal of euphemisms. I'm only saying that like even like a bit earlier in the scene when they get up from having their results and he like winces and he's like, oh, my foot is sleeping. It's oh, things like yes, that where they're trying yes. to make it sound like a natural speak, like a native speaker, but you're not a native speaker. So yeah. to me, it kind of linked to that. But yeah. That's true. <sighs> anyway, so Charlotte is running in the park again when a cute dog comes up to her and she makes conversation with her owner. Her name is Trudy. I've forgotten her last name already. I just realized I only wrote to Trudy. Mm-hmm. And the owner tells her that she's a bred show dog who couldn't compete because she has a defect. One of her hind legs is shorter than the others. And Trudy says, yeah, she just isn't a winner. There's a woman who's also very blunt, a matter of fact, <laughs> as well about everything. <laughs> We then see Miranda hailing a cab to go see the house in Brooklyn, but the cab driver says he doesn't go to Brooklyn. And then we get a voiceover saying, yeah, nor does Miranda. And in my head, I'm like, but you're going to Brooklyn, love. You're going to go see this house. (laughs) (laughs) Should I get get on the subway, something. But anyway, Samantha is giving Smith a blowjob when he's holding her hair, clearly enjoying it telling her how good she is at it, and her hair falls out in his hands. He is shocked and immediately loses his erection. Samantha is clearly upset about it, but in a Samantha way, just like, oh, I'm just going to go and into the bathroom and freshen up. Yeah, awkward. <sighs> Carrie's telling Miranda all of Samantha's business, by the way, <laughs> while they're walking down the street. I'm like, Carrie, does Samantha say you can tell Miranda all of this? No, I thought that too. And I was like, well, I guess maybe she doesn't mind. I don't know. Yeah. I think it stuck out to me because we actually don't see that a lot. Because I know what, like when you have friendship groups, everyone's rules are a bit different. Like, I don't like to assume, like, if we're all like in a group of friends, if you told me one thing, mm-hmm. I don't just assume that I can talk about it to the other person unless you explicitly say or, like, mention that you've also taught the other person. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But sometimes not everyone, even if, like, you're all close, you may not have the exact same relationship, relationship with everyone. Yeah. Or you just may not want everyone else to know. And it just, that's life. That's your right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and anyway, Miranda kind of glosses over that visual. It's, it's just that Samantha's going to be fine. 
And then Carrie tells her all about Alexander and says how he thinks that how he thinks they're all in denial about her about Samantha being fine. And she tells Miranda that she called him an asshole. And Miranda points out that the council was caught early and she'll be fine. Again, everyone keeps saying she'll be fine. And then Carrie points out that she said she'll be fine three times. And she says, but it's their job as friends to maintain a positive outlook. So she's just annoyed about the whole situation. My thing is, I know like toxic positivity is like more of a buzzword now. But to me, that's what it was given. And I think that's maybe why Alexander seemed a bit irritated with her. Like, yeah. yes, hopefully she is going to be fine. Because it was stage one. They've caught it. She's doing chemo as like a precaution. But we know like people, once you get cancer once, you can also very easily get it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's fine to acknowledge all of that and also be positive. But again, Carrie, I feel like it's not emotionally intelligent to process all these thoughts. So... It's not, and and it's easy because I want I want to be like their age difference is showing, but again they're thirty eight. Yes, <laughs> please. Yeah. So yeah, Miranda brings up the subject of her possibly moving to Brooklyn and complains about how cows won't even go there. And yeah, Carrie's like, we're not going to Brooklyn, fam. <laughs> not going. Carrie is um. Sorry. Carrie is at her laptop writing her question of the week. And she says, the world tells us to get real. But what if living in reality means living in pain, fear or Brooklyn? If a defense mechanism can get us through the difficult times, how bad can it be? Maybe the reality is we need denial. Denial, friend or foe. I really like this week's question. So what do you think? I don't know because I was often like you need reality so you can go through it but you can't because the world is awful and if yes. you have to absorb it all the time that is such a lot so denial is a friend and a foe I really hate sitting on the fence yeah you know that's my favorite because... thing to do <laughs> <laughs> it's a default mechanism but you can't go so far into it that you cannot face reality exactly exactly see my thing part of the question she says um if a defense mechanism can get us through the difficult times how bad can it be and i think that is good but the point is you can't rely on it forever right yeah so i think that's when it veers into it being a foe if you use it for its purpose because like you said the world is cruel and we can't feel beaten down every day of our lives but you can't live in that Mm-hmm. And I don't trust Carrie not to live in that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we then go back to Charlotte and Harry. He's doing some research on his computer about adoption. And Charlotte's face falls because she's clearly not trying to hear that. And he says it's just a backup plan to IVF. And if they put their names on some list now, maybe, you know, if it doesn't work out, at least they'll have choices. And Charlotte just nods and decides to go out for another run. By the way, sorry, but Smith and Harry, 100%, by far the very best Sex and the City boyfriends slash husbands. I don't care. Agree. What, what are you saying you don't care? I mean, that, that, I don't think that's arguable. <laughs> I mean, there's no contest. I feel like people never bring them up as much that's as true. the others. 
Because everyone's still using the old. It's the same way they think Carrie and Big were a love story. So yes, and relationship goals, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're just they're just fantastic people. So Charlotte is on her run. She runs into Trudy again, and her dogs, and she's brought her some turkey bacon. The dog, which I thought was cute, and she actually asked if she can give her some, and she's like. Whatever, it's not like she's a show dog. I'm like, damn, not truly bullying her dog. <laughs> Charlotte is very annoyed with this, as I am. I'm not even a dog person. But I'm like, poor doggy. And she says, just because somebody doesn't perform the way you want doesn't mean you should give up on them. And then she bursts into tears. Trudy's looking at her like in shock. And she says she's just sorry. She's emotional because her and her husband are trying to have a baby and it's not going well. We then see Samantha and Carrie shopping for wigs. Samantha is not feeling any of the wigs. They're in a beauty supply store with no black people in it. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> and she, says, she tells him that she needs a fabulous wig for the movie premiere. And he goes through several wigs. She hates them all. And they all do look pretty terrible on her. And Samantha says she doesn't want to wear a wig named after a hooker and she wants to look like herself. And the man says, well, a wig is never going to look exactly like your natural hair. And then he whispers to her, he's worked with many women who have cancer. And then Samantha snaps, I don't have cancer, I have a premiere. Pulls the wig off her head and walks out in a huff. <sighs> Again, like this is what I was saying before, right? She's clearly struggling, but Carrie's not paying okay. attention. And also, sorry, I think this is what I'm just saying. Sometimes it's good to have black friends in your life because a black woman would have hooked you up for great wig that looked exactly <laughs> like your hair. Even an orthodox Jew, because you know their wigs hit as well. But yeah. <laughs> I just want to say I have props for Carrie. The way she came out with her wig at the end yeah. and mouthed sorry and yeah. had that wig in her head. One, I didn't know if it was a nod to her when she was on Annie because she looked like Annie. But it was great comedic timing and acting. Yes, but. yes. I would say she does have very good comedic timing. It's only when she's, what's the word I'm looking for? When she's like self-peace like she's happy with herself exactly that it doesn't hit but acting wise Sarah Jessica Parker fantastic so yeah so they're at a restaurant Samantha and Carrie and Samantha is venting like she's really angry about the cancer and losing her hair Carrie as usual is like oh don't worry I'll grow back it's just a blip this tumor and Samantha's like, well, it could come back and I could die. And Carrie once again is like, oh, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to die. And she straight up tells her to shut up and let her talk about what she's afraid of. <laughs> you can see Carrie's brain like turning slowly as she's about to say something. But she does actually just shut up and says, I'm here. She's like, like, Alexander was right? Yes, what? exactly. <laughs> So Samantha says it's probably best to just shave it all off. And then she's like, cancer. Turns out not so hilarious. <sighs> Poor Samantha. I like that scene, though. I felt like it was realistic. Yeah. So we then see Samantha at home with some, like, razors 
I was about to say clippers. I guess it is clippers, right? It was clippers, yeah. yeah. In her hand, and she just goes for it, shaves off one section of the side of her hair. As she does that, Smith drops by because she has sent him a text saying that she's not coming to the premiere and he wants to know what that's about. And she tries to hide what she's doing when he walks into her bathroom, but he sees, obviously, because there's hair all over the sink, and she tells him that she's shaving her head, and, yeah, cancer sucks. And Smith tells her that he wants to be there for her, and he just picks up the clippers and starts shaving his head in solidarity. Samantha is horrified. It's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And then he's like, yeah, when he's done turning his head into a cue ball, he's moving to her. And I'm just like, you guys are so adorable. I love them. (laughs) Smith is a wonderful dummy. So (laughs) I just love it. (sighs) So Miranda, Steve and Brady and their dog, whose name I always forget. What's the dog's name? I don't remember. Scout, 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 Scout. And then the cat is called... Something fatty, fatty, fatkins, fatty, something like that. <laughs> anyway, yes, they're looking over the house in Brooklyn. And Miranda's like, you know, when someone's looking at something, they're trying, they're not even looking at it fairly. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm not interested. I don't even want to be here. And Steve is liking it, he's liking all the space. And he's like, like, you have to look at this seriously. And she's like, well, no one's going to come visit me in Brooklyn, just complaining. And he looks at her and says, Miranda, you have a family now. (laughs) And she's like, oh, my God, I'm married. Because, again, it finally hits her that her life is not the same. You literally have a husband, a child, a dog, and a cat. Like, you're not the same as you were. You can't do the whole I can only live in Manhattan. Unless you're, like, a millionaire, you're not going to get that space in Manhattan that you can afford. So he goes outside into the garden because they have a small garden in this house, which, again, you're not going to get in Manhattan. And he's playing with Brady and the dog. And Miranda looks down at them and then you can see the light bulb going off in her head like, yeah, I can actually have my family with space here. And then the owner comes over and asks what she thinks. And Miranda being Miranda says she's interested, but you need to fix this and this and this and this. (laughs) And then he's, like, staring at her, like, okay. And, yeah, so she is staring into space, and clearly she's going to make an offer on the place. So, I have a question. Um, Yes. I should have brought it up earlier. This whole Brooklyn moving and the way she reacted, the way she and Carrie reacted, I know that it's elitist, right? Yes, yes. Is it offensive? Um, do you know what? It's so funny because when watching, I had the same thing. And I was like, does she not want to move to Brooklyn because it's more diverse? But I also feel like Brooklyn is more diverse now. And obviously it has been more diverse before. I mean, black people live in Manhattan too. But my issue, I actually went and looked like how far away is Brooklyn from Manhattan. And I genuinely feel it's the distance. That's her issue. And Manhattan's where she's lived her whole life. Is that, again, just me using an example. I'd lived in South London my entire life. And then I moved to North London the year before I moved to America for good. And to me, it felt like the end of the world. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it's like across the city, just because I was just, I knew where everything was. I was familiar. Again, I have like my corner shop. Like 
I know where all my hair shops are, like where I need to go. Like it's like my own little village. Like you know, the boss man at the chicken shop. I'm like I can't deal. And North London to me also felt like a foreign country, you know. So mm. as much in my head, I was like Miranda Grubb, and then I had to be like, no, but bitch, you were also freaking out about having to move to the other side of London. And yeah, so like I said, I looked how far they were, and I think even on the subway, it takes like forty minutes. That mm. is a trek. So I don't blame her. Like, that's a whole new routine for work because I'm sure her job is in Manhattan, right? Yeah. And where all your friends, like we said, like we know it's unrealistic that they can hang out as much as they do, even because it didn't even seem to change at all, really, when she had Brady. But now you have to put in the fact that you're literally going to be trekking across the city. Yeah. And a lot of cabs won't even take you there. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm trying to be fair. I get it. So, yeah, I don't think it was elitism. I do genuinely feel like it's a distance issue. Okay. Because remember Steve, when she first, like, was like, mm, I'm not doing man- um, I'm not doing Brooklyn. He's like, well, I'm from Queens and I'm good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Okay. So, um, where was I? Yeah, so it's time for Smith's movie premiere. And, guys... Samantha just spent all this time complaining about all these blonde wigs. And she shows up and they said that she couldn't be Samantha. She could be Lil' Kim. So she shows up in a hot pink, apparently Lil' Kim star wig. I've never seen Lil' Kim in a wig that looked busted like that because the wig was not a good wig. It looked borderline scraggly. I'm like, if it, like, Lil' Kim's hair was laid, like, please be serious. Do you know what I mean? And it looks super tacky. By the way, they exit the limo, walk up the red carpet, and Smith is very solicitous of her. And it's cute, but I couldn't get over the wig. What did you think of the wig? I was just thinking of your reaction. <laughs> That's you know, really all I was thinking about. As soon as you saw it, and she said, um, and she decided to go as little Kim, I was like, Nana is going to have a problem with this. <laughs> Because I'm like, Lil' Kim, please be for real. Like, come on, bro. She looks like, okay. <laughs> she looks like, you know, those women, like middle-aged women who've decided that their life is boring, so they're going to spice things up. Uh-huh. That's what it looked like. Like, I've dyed my hair pink because I want to look like I'm trendy <laughs> and old. It was just a bad wig. Like, even the pink wasn't bothering me, but it was just a bad wig, for sure. But yeah. So, guys, the worst scene in Sex and the City history for me is next. Even thinking about it, when I feel sick again. We see, or maybe you guys saw, because I closed my eyes immediately, a mouse running through Carrie's hair. Oh, my God. Through her hair. As she's on her bed, and she shrieks in horror. When I say it, I would literally have left that apartment. Never saw that again. <laughs> in my hair. Oh, my God. Whew. Anyway... <laughs> I was dying. Yes. Dying. Horrible. Can you imagine? Like, I would never, I would like take off my skin, shave my hair, like, can't. Ugh. Anyway, so she locks herself in the bathroom and she calls Alexander. He comes over immediately. He's laid down some traps. And I think it really is coming from her next, well, it's been coming in and out of her and her next door's um, apartment. And he says he was surprised to hear from her after she called him an asshole. 
So she gets into um, a spiel about how Samantha is her friend and her family. And for him to say that she might not be fine is not okay. And she once again interrupts him as he's trying to tell her about Sophie, his friend who died. And then she's like, really not letting him get a word in edgeways. And he says, like, let me talk. I'm talking about my friend who died because he was so shocked by her unexpected death and about the amount of pain he felt when she died. And he doesn't want her to go through what he did. And then Carrie, fucking cheekily, in my opinion, says, well, you could have just said that. I'm like, did you give him a chance? (laughs) Oh, I wanted to scream. Anyway, she said, (laughs) yes, um, he could have just said that. And then she tells him that she needs their relationship to be diluted with a little bit of milk, you know, as a recall back to the espresso. And he tells her, wow, it's clear who the writer is here, which I thought was kind of cute. But yeah. But um, compare that to Big, by the way, who, anyway, that's one thing I would say I like about Alexander. Like, he respects Carrie and her quote-unquote art. I guess because he's an artist too. But, anyway. you know, I was going to say, it was kind of hard, speaking of uh, big, I was like, this fancy-ass guy is still able to go down, to get yep. down, and, you know, take care of a mice and put a mousetrap. Yes. Never. In his wildest dreams. Never. That's the thing, like, as much as, like, we was told he's just high and whatever, he's very practical. And even in the way he speaks, he's very mm-hmm. practical. So, yeah, even, like, remember when, when he was talking about his kids or why he didn't want kids? Just all very practicalness, which, again, might be a cultural difference. Just no beating around the bush straight to the point. But then he tells her that um, Samantha is going to be okay. And Carrie says thank you. And then they kiss. But, yeah, this scene, I feel like it reinforced what I was saying about her not letting the man talk and treating him like he's dumb because he's foreign. But I could be reaching. But, yeah, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, it's not because there's an earlier scene where Miranda straight up says maybe it's a language barrier. Yes, she did when they're walking down the street. So, again, it's nothing you haven't said. My beef with Carrie is, like, she seems to think that only her side mattered. She's missing the point that he actually lost a friend. Thank you. And the thing is, even if he was jarring in the way, like, my friend died, like, I know I've said it, earlier in the episode but I'm gonna say it again why wouldn't you ask any follow-up questions clearly it's someone that was very close to him like Samantha's your family have you ever considered that this friend who died was his family too like it's not always just about you (sighs) someone who didn't ask if his child was a girl or a boy so (laughs) so yeah so we don't see the women having drinks to toast the end of Miranda's life in Manhattan. And she's like, you guys are all going to come visit me, right? And Samantha's like, no, I have cancer. <laughs> and so that line made me laugh, because they're like, how long are you going to use that line? <laughs> Forever. Yeah, she's just like me. She's just like me. I remember, like, when I was younger, my friends started to have children. I was like, oh, I'm so jealous because you actually have built-in excuses now not to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> I'm jealous. But anyway, so um, they start talking about all the terrible apartments Miranda's lived in over the years. And then she's like, why the hell are we always saying Manhattan is the best? Which, again, we were saying that a bit before, right? It's familiarity. And Carrie's like, because it is. 
And then the waitress um, ends up bringing them drinks. And then we get a voiceover saying it would be childish of them to deny that their lives weren't changing. But for this night, none of them was going anywhere. And that's how the episode ends. Can you drink while you're doing chemo? Do you know what? That's a really good point. I don't know. I actually don't know. Huh. Because no, I agree with when they said drinks, I was like, is she drinking? Did they Let's do... check a virgin cocktail. Um, I rewound, and she said another round for all of us, and she had one. Can you drink while... I'm legit Googling it while doing chemo. Oh, it comes up. Alcohol can worsen the side effects of chemotherapy and drugs used during cancer treatment. Yeah, drinking alcohol increases the risk of additional cancer diagnoses cancer patients should talk to their doctor about the use of alcohol I mean, alcohol makes you feel terrible when you're quote-unquote healthy i can't imagine the combination of the drugs chemo is drugs it is and also sorry like because i like to be balanced it says um some chemotherapy drugs can make you feel sick or you may lose your appetite if you're able to drink then small amounts of alcohol may help to boost your appetite so maybe but excessive drinking will not be a good idea, which whatever type of chemotherapy you're on. So it's giving me like, you know how they say technically you can drink while you're pregnant, but like no more than like one or two glasses. I feel yeah. like that's what the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. And I guess it depends where your cancer is. I'm sure if you had liver cancer, drinking alcohol would be the worst fucking thing you could do, you know? Well, the damage is already done. Please. <laughs> I'm thinking more it's the combination of it with the chemo drug, not necessarily the organ, per se. Uh, Something else. It says, if cancer survivors choose to drink alcohol, consumption should be limited to no more than one drink a day for women and two drinks a day for men. But this was a 2012 study. So, yeah. So, anyway, it just seems like just probably don't. But if you do, just very small amounts. So, Yeah. So yeah, did you have anything else to add? Um this rewatch makes me like Alexander better than I thought I did. Okay. I'm glad you said that. Can you please expand on that? Because Well, I, I just thought I, I hated him. him and I thought like he's a terrible person and all that, but I didn't remember that he was good with kids mm-hmm. and he's just very direct. And he accepted Carrie for who she is. We can't accept her. And he is. He's amused yes. by it. And he just seems very practical and very romantic. And all. Mm-hmm. I didn't even remember they were clowning him for being romantic. Yeah. So I'm like, well, in my mind, this guy was just a villain. And yeah. I like him better. I think you're right. I think this is generally the first time I've seen, like you're saying, he really does accept her for who she is. And he doesn't seem condescending either. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like this is the first time to me, Carrie hasn't drastically changed her personality to fit in with him either. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's accepted, like, I don't know, she just seems like just to be living her Carrie life. Not like when she was with Aiden, like, flipping, looking at wood shops and furniture shops. I don't know. She yeah. seems to have less of a personality change than with all her other 
people. And like, I know I didn't remember much about Alexander like before, like apart from the whole Paris thing. But I remember also not liking him. And I keep waiting for me to really deeply dislike him and it's not coming. Like, he's fine with me. I don't think they're right for each other, but him as a person seems completely fine. Yeah, the only con that they have is like they don't have chemistry. No, but everything but who does she have chemistry with? Yeah, she's she has happy. chemistry with Big. That's it. She did. <laughs> well, comp- for Carrie, please. Everything is on has to be graded on a curve. But yes, but yeah, and it's also like I guess. We close the chapter on the kids thing. Yes, because it's never. That's my whole point. <laughs> when we were talking about it last week, like where is all of this suddenly coming from? And lo and behold, next week we'll never hear of it again. I bet we'll never hear about children again <laughs> from <laughs> Carrie. But anyway, it is what it is. Yeah. So yes, can you please tell the people where they can find us? Yeah, you can find us at the Rewatch Times 2, that's C-H-E-R-E-W-A-T-C-H-X-2. That's our handle on Instagram, Twitter, and you can send us an email at gmail.com. And please give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts, particularly on Apple Podcasts. We really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.